Welcome to episode 58 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on November 21st, 2017. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor at GameCritics.com, and I am 50% of this here show. With me, as always, Corey Motley, staff writer at Game Critics. How's it going, Corey? I am doing well, Brad. How are you? I am doing good. Good. Really busy morning. Off to kind of a crazy start, but I'm very happy uh, to be recording with you again. I'm glad I made it in time. I'm glad we got the show off the ground today. <laughs> um, so yeah, doing pretty good. Actually, I'm glad you said that because it reminds me of something I wanted to uh, tell the listeners about. Um, in addition to continuing with our tradition of having our banter at the end, I think this is probably the last time we need to bring that up. We've brought it up like the last couple shows. I think people, hopefully are now just in the habit of knowing that the banter is at the end. I mean, maybe we'll mention it again, but uh, I don't think we need to make a big deal out of it. But the other thing I wanted to mention really quickly uh, is that uh, I actually changed jobs a little bit recently. I mean, I'm kind of basically still doing the same thing, but I have uh, a different schedule. And so it's kind of throwing our recording into disarray. We got into a really comfortable, normal groove, which is great. I like being on a schedule. But because of my new work schedule, it's kind of fucking things up all over the place. So uh, people listening to this episode, you obviously know that it came out a couple of days late. Apologies for that. That was my fault because I was not available to record at our usual time. And over the next couple of months, uh, Corey and I are going to be kind of playing it by ear where I don't think that my job will allow me to have a regular recording time. I mean, maybe it will, maybe it won't. Things are still kind of shaking down. But I just wanted to say, dear listeners, we are still going to be recording every week. Our commitment to you stands strong. Um, it may not be on the same day every week, but we will get an episode in, and uh, we will try to work it into our weekly schedules as much as possible. I will do my best to get uh, things nailed down. So just heads up, uh, please bear with us. Uh, if an episode isn't out on the day you think it should be out, I'm sure it's coming. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us on Twitter or email, and we will let you know what the schedule is looking like. Um, so show is still going strong, still coming out weekly, uh, but just a little bit of disruption because of my new job schedule. And also, um, you know, of course, the holidays. I mean, I have some holiday plans. I'm sure, Corey, you have some holiday plans, and that may shake things up a little bit, too. So uh, we will continue forward just a little bit, slightly more unpredictable, but still largely predictable. That sound OK to you, Corey? That sounds OK to me. All right, cool. Well, we've actually been talking about banter. We've just been talking for a while. Banter is at the end of the show, where it is these days. Feel free to tune in and listen to that if you want to hear us bullshitting about random things. Uh, but as for now, we're going to jump right into the game stock. And Corey Motley, you are up first. Uh, you sent me your list of games, and I <laughs> thought this was a typo. I was like, w Corey, what? what is this? I don't even <laughs> type English, sir. What are you talking about? Please tell us about hair... Nah, what what is this all about? D okay, so honest question: Have you not seen this game being retweeted in your Twitter timeline at all? No, I had no idea what this was. I had not even heard about it, which is unusual because I I really try to stay plugged into the gamosphere. But this one this one swept under my radar. I got no idea. Well, let me. I really I don't have a lot to say about this game. I just sort of want to like because it's very quirky and it's silly, but it also addresses like real world issues. This is like a perfect like teensy little indie game that i mean this is like a classic case of a game a, a game going viral and kind of like exploding so 
Hair Na is a game by a woman who goes by the moniker Momo Pixels, and she is an art director. I can't remember where. I read somewhere where she's the art director for, but I can't remember what it is now. And um, and she is a woman of color, and she made a video game. And this is it's sort of like a like when you think of like a classic like flash game or like a like an in browser game. Um, that's kind of what it is. You can play it on your PC. You can also play it on uh, your mobile phone, and it's not like in. The, I think she's bringing a version of it to the App Store, but it's not like you don't go to the App Store and download it. You just go to her website, and it pops up, and you start playing it. And this is a game about being a black woman or a woman of color, I should say, because I shouldn't, you know, specify it as black. Um, and about uh, trying to swat away the hands of white people that are trying to touch your woman of color hair which is hilarious, and it's also very insightful because um, she said that she, um, she has said in interviews or in posts on Twitter that she had, you know, been tired of, you know, she has, like, I mean, I, I don't want this to sound racist, but she has, like, woman of color hair. Like, you know, it's kind of frizzy. It's, um, you know, a little bit different than, like, white woman hair. And apparently she... And many black people or people of color have experienced... Um, ignorant white people uh, touching their hair or trying to or asking if they can touch their hair or, you know, basically invading their personal space over the color and the texture and, uh, you know, the way their hair looks. And she got tired of it. So she made this flash game. And the point of the game is you select, uh, you can select the person's skin tone. It's the same woman, like the same facial features. You select her skin tone, you select her uh, hair type. There's like several different hair types you can select. And the mission is to get to, you're supposed to get to an airport and fly to a destination. I think there's like three or four destinations in the game. So I think there's three levels. The first one is when you're in the cab. The second one is when you're in the airport. And the third one is when you're on the airplane. And basically it's her face in the middle of the screen. And it's just like all of these dumb like white people hands like invading from the sides of the screen and you tap the sides of the screen and you make her hands go up and swat the white people hands away from touching her hair and it's brilliant and it's hilarious but um it's making a lot of a lot of ripples in the community because it's like an excellent example of like oh a person of color creator making a game for people of color and of course you know there's like white people that think it's dumb and you know they're like oh this is reverse racism but there's no such thing as reverse racism because white people are awful and um <laughs> and it's just like it's just an excellent game i mean it whenever she put the game out she had like 300 followers on twitter and in the span of a week she shot up to like 20 almost 2500 followers and her, the tweet that had her game in it and the link and, like, the the gif of it um, has, like, almost 26,000 retweets and almost 50,000 likes at this point. So, like, it's a classic case of someone putting out a game, it going viral, the person going viral. And I played it. It's really fun. And it's also, um, you know, because I'm, I'm white, obviously. So, like, this gives me kind of an interesting insight as to what it's like you know, being a person of color, like obviously the game is satirical, but I mean, if we're talking about people like dumb white people invading the personal space of people of color to try to touch their hair, like that's totally inappropriate. And I just think it's fun when a game comes out like this and kind of addresses it. And like people like 
her she was retweeting stuff about how like the game has been on like news channels and like polygon wrote a thing about it and like vice wrote a thing about it and so i mean it's getting a lot of ground very quickly and she's uh, she said she's going to be releasing a version of it on the actual app store so um yeah i'm just really excited for her i i'm glad that she's that she, it really caught on and that she's been successful and that people have been writing about it and that it's getting a lot of attention because I think this is like a perfect example of a game that takes a real world issue and kind of turns it into like kind of like a silly comedy game but it also you know still addresses the real world issue at hand and um, I would highly recommend it to anybody right now it's free you just um, I think the website is literally hairnah.com h-a-i-r-n-a-h.com or if you just google it I'm sure you can find it um but yeah, it's really neat, and I just want to take a second to talk about it because I thought it was uh, really incredible and uh, pretty impressive. Interesting, interesting. I haven't heard of it, but I will check it out afterwards. Um, I have heard many people of color say that this was a thing, and I guess the question to you, Corey, and, and a question that I will also answer myself, I have never in my life been like oh i want to touch this random person's hair like that just hasn't been a thing for me maybe maybe i'm the weird one because i've never wanted to do that but that seems like i don't want to touch anybody's hair i don't want to touch anybody (laughs) i i i don't want to touch people in general and i can honestly say that in my 41 years of being on planet earth i have never i have number one never touched anybody without asking their permission first Especially not, like, their hair if they're a random person. But, like, that seems so weird to me. Like, I don't... I guess I just don't understand. Have you... Have you ever asked to touch a person's hair, Corey? Has anybody <laughs> touched your hair? Is this a thing for you? Uh, I mean, I'm sure at some point in my life someone has touched my hair, but not in, like... And like, in a weird way? Like, this weird rando way? Probably not in a weird random way. And I have never touched anybody else's hair um, probably with or without asking, that's probably not something that I would do. But I think, you know, this is one of those things where like, you know, like you, you grow up and you're raised in a certain way and, or you have certain like insights about other people and how other people should be treated. And it's like, whenever you're a decent person, I feel like for the most part, you sort of expect that other people are decent or other people were maybe raised in the same way. But then the more you like the maybe the older you get or the more you experience like, you know, being around other people or being around other cultures or being around basically just people in general, you slowly come to understand that not everyone was raised the same way that you were. And then you start to realize how dumb people are and how ignorant people are and how um you know aggressive even if it's unseemingly like if they don't if they don't think it's being aggressive how aggressive people can be in a really stupid way and i think that this game just sort of showcases that because i've seen you know her talking about on twitter and lots of other people like her retweeting stuff about how like like this is like an honest to god issue in people of color community is just like random white people touching their hair or like trying to touch their hair and it totally seems inappropriate like why would anybody do that that's super inappropriate i would never touch anybody without asking their permission first that's crazy yeah but apparently not everyone thinks so and this is such a problem in uh you know in the people of color community and i just think i mean it's totally outrageous and i'm really sorry that they have to deal with this stuff on a daily basis so um but i I've never done that. I would never do that. But apparently not everyone has the same uh, 
courtesy that you and I have, Brad. God damn, dude. If anybody came up. Okay. Okay. okay so actually, actually. Okay. I, I actually do have a story. Now that we're thinking about this. Now that I'm getting the, the brain cells jogging. <laughs> so I have a shaved head. I have shaved my head for probably the last 20 years, probably more than 20 years, probably. And every once in a while, yeah, that's actually true. Every once in a while, someone will, um, I think only one person has ever touched my head without them asking me first. And it was somebody that I knew, and I think they were maybe being jokey. So I kind of told them to knock it the fuck off and like it never <laughs> happened again. But there have been a few people who have asked. Now they think about it, like when I let, when I shave it bald and I let it grow out a little bit and it's just got this little peach fuzz on top, like where I'm too lazy to shave it off because it's not that much yet. There have been a couple people. Yeah, that's irritating. That's really fucking irritating. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to compare my experience to other people's and I'm not saying that I, I go through this on a daily basis at all, but yeah, yeah. I, now I'm remembering some people who are pretty fucking ignorant and who are irritating because I don't want anybody randomly touching me. <laughs> I mean, I would be pissed if anybody came up and just like touched me in some way. I'd be really fucking mad. I don't know about you, dude, but I would be like, whoa, what the fuck are you doing? get off me, like, leave me alone. I feel terrible that this is a thing for people of color because that's, it just seems so crazy that people would do that. So I apologize on behalf of all stupid people in America, I guess. That sounds awful. Yeah, it's really dumb. And even, and, like, the worst part, too, is, like, whenever, you know, I mean, like, someone will, say someone will try to touch someone's hair, and, you know, like, of course they're dumb, so they don't think they're being rude or they don't think they're being out of line. And then the other person, like, you know, is like, like stop or, you know, like kind of pushes their hand away. And then all of a sudden the white person will like weaponize the annoyance yeah. of the person of color no, that's true. That's and make true. it look that's like true. it's their fault. Like, Oh, why are you mad at me? And it's like, well, you should have been fucking touching my hair in the first place. Like you're the aggressor yeah. in the situation, not me. So it's like, it's the classic case of like, you know, white people being stupid and then trying to like turn on and weaponize like a person of color trying to defend themselves. And it's just so, uh, I like, it's truly ghastly that, I mean, people of color have to go through this kind of stuff on a daily basis. It's totally ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I think that really shows like a lack of concern for other people or a lack of perceiving other people as having the same dominion over their body that you expect for yourself. This is a kind of like a tangent, but this reminds me um, of stories that Gina would tell me when she was younger, like before we had met, when she would be out and like these guys would like accost her like in a bar or in a at a football game or, you know, she would just be like out and about and stuff. And she would say that people would tell her to smile. She, she got that all the time. People like some oh. asshole, like some random, some random asshole would come up and tell her to smile. And then she would tell them to like fuck off. And then <laughs> that, like, just like you said, like her refusal to capitulate to somebody else's demand, like a rando, so her refusal to capitulate would immediately be turned into what the fuck is wrong with you? You're a bitch. What's wrong with you? You got an attitude problem. How come you're so rude? But really it's that person's failure to recognize that they are in, impinging on someone else's freedom and, uh, right to live the way their life that they want to. So th this must be just another parallel of that. I mean, uh, so I mean, good on her for on the developer for bringing this to people's attention. I mean, clearly it needs to be discussed because I mean, I didn't I mean, you know, I don't have much experience with it personally, but I totally understand what they're talking about. And if this is a real issue, then I'm glad that she's putting um, some spotlight on it. So I'll check this game out after we get off the show. And uh, I mean, I'm guessing it's more of just like a political statement game like i'm guessing there's not a lot of like there's not a quest to finish or there's you know not probably not a lot of stuff to unlock or anything right it's more of just like a statement game mm, yeah pretty much i mean there's like 
I think there's only like three levels to it, but you're basically doing the same thing in every level. And it does progressively get harder, which I think I commend her that she did on purpose. Um, Cause I think uh, the game, I couldn't beat the game. And I think that she intentionally made it difficult to, um, to prove the point of how difficult it is for people of color to have to deal with this on a daily basis. What happens if people touch your hair? What in the game? Like what happens? Well, there's like uh, you have there's like a meter in the top left corner, and I think the more that people touch your hair, the more the meter fills up, and you have to like try to swat their hands away before they touch your hair. But I think um, I can't. I, I played it like a week ago, so I can't remember exactly. But I think she gets like tired. Like if you swat her hands around too much to swat the white people hands away, like she gets tired or something. So you have to like manage the exhaustion with trying to get people to stop touching oh, your hair. God. That's pretty good. That's a pretty, <laughs> that's a pretty good idea. I can appreciate that. Yeah, it's really it's really brilliant and I hope that um I really hope that she goes far and keeps creating stuff like this because it's the kind of stuff that needs to be celebrated and talked about. Would you kind of file this in the same category as something like the tea room that we talked about a while ago, where it's kind of like a game, but it's more about like making a statement about something or, or trying to illustrate something. I mean, that sounds kind of like it's in the same basket. Would you agree? Uh, It is definitely, I mean, the tea room is deeper and it is longer and harder. (laughs) Oh dear. Um, Oh, you went there. uh, You went there. And I mean, the tea room spoke to me because, you know, it is about gay stuff and I am gay. Uh, so video games exclusive. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, so but but I like I love the idea of other, um, you know, of other like minorities, if you will, uh, being able to have a thing that really speaks to them. Because like the tea room was a very powerful game for me, specifically because I am a gay man and it taught me things about gay culture that I didn't know. And I enjoy the fact, you know, when something like this happens, you know, whether it be like you know, black people or Native Americans or Asians or what have you. Um, you know, I love being able to celebrate uh, whenever minorities make something like this in order to celebrate it within their, you know, like their group and make something that represents themselves and can hopefully shed, uh, you know, some light on issues that they face that, you know, white people don't, uh, you know, don't experience or don't understand. Sounds interesting. Sounds like a good thing to check out. So hair na h a i r n a h, correct? That is it. Okay, cool. We will uh, we will check that out. Uh, ironic, or perhaps <laughs> fortuitous, that you brought this game up because I also have a. I mean, I guess an iOS slash portable slash micro game to talk about, which I don't usually. Don't usually bring up on the show, but that that's just what's going down this week. Um, I started playing Brave Hand, which is put out by Heart Shaped Game Studios, which is run by Scott Brody, who is a guy I met once or twice. Nice guy. I want to say that he's from Seattle. I could be mistaken about that, but I'm pretty sure he's from Seattle or around these parts. If memory serves, I think I met him at one of the Seattle Indie Expos, although I could be totally making that up. But I feel like I have met him at some point. Um, but he's a good guy. We've emailed uh, off and on over the years. And he originally put out a game, which I meant to give it a shout-out. And, of course, I got home late and didn't have time to look it up. And I'm totally blanking on the game. It's like <laughs> Hero Generations or something like that. Corey, sing a song while I look this up, look this up real quick. Oh, my gosh. I'm not going to sing a song for you, Brad. Uh, I got it. I'm Googling. I'm Googling. It is Hero Generations. Yes, thank you. Um, so he did that. That was actually kind of an indie hit for a little while. I heard a lot of um, good things about Hero Generations. Uh, 
And now this is his next work, and it's called Brave Hand. What it is, it's interesting, and it's not something I would have ordinarily picked up, but because I, I know Scott and I wanted to just check it out real quick, I figured I would uh, give it a whirl. It's basically kind of like a solitaire game. It's very simple. Graphics very simple, very clean and streamlined. You have a board, and there are nine stacks of cards on your phone, or I guess you can play it on your iPad or your computer or whatever. And the point of it is to get as many cards off the board as possible. So how you do this is like there's nine stacks of cards. That's the play field. At the bottom of your phone, you have uh, the cards in your hand. And all of these cards are normal cards with um, a few exceptions. I think the only, the big twist is that you have, you know, two through 10, and then you go Jack, Queen, King, Ace. And then he's added one more card called the Demon card, and the Demon card trumps everything else. So that is the one that, like, you can beat every other card with. So in general, like, if you see a stack of cards on your phone and you want to get those cards, let's say, for example, on the top of the stack is like a four. And in your hand, you have a five. So you put your five on top of that four, you win that card, and then the game asks you, do you want to keep going? Which means, do you want to match your five against the next card in the stack? And you don't know what it is. So if you feel like that next card is going to be a low card, you can keep going. If you guess correctly, then you win that card. If the next card is a higher card, then you lose. That's really all there is to it. It's pretty simple. So you just look around the board, you look for a card stack that you uh, can beat, you throw your card down, and then, you, and then you're like, well, do I feel lucky? Do I feel like I can keep going with the card that I have? Or should I just cut my losses, take this, and, and start over on the next turn? Um, you can also sacrifice one of the cards in your hands to turn over some of the cards that you don't know the values of to get a good uh, scouting of the board, kind of gives you some more information. And that's basically about it. When you hit certain point values, you win... Um, I don't know, like this other card that like unlocks uh, a part of a story. Apparently there's a story in the game. There are backgrounds to art that goes with the story. And then there is text that goes on top of the art. So you have to win the art and you have to win the text. So it gives you something to work forward or, you know, work towards. And that's kind of it. It's real super simple, real um, basic. But although I don't usually go in for these kind of games, uh, I did get someone a shot and I did find myself coming back to it a few times. It's something that you can totally play in like a minute or two minutes and just kind of run through like when you're in line at the bank or when you're, you know, I don't know, at work and you're bored or something. Um, and you don't want to get into anything heavy. Uh, it's just real quick, real light. It's quicker to play than solitaire. Like it's not quite as complicated as solitaire. Like once you learn the rules, it goes really, really quickly. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, I don't know that I will play it like a ton. Like, I don't know it's going to become one of my go-tos, but I do, I have enjoyed the time I've spent and I appreciate that there is something to unlock because I am a goals oriented player as we have established on the show before. So that's kind of neat. Um, but I don't know if it'll have the staying power to keep me in, but so far it seems pretty good. Uh, a little bit on the simple side for my taste perhaps, but I would definitely recommend it to people who just want a quickie on their phone or who like these kind of card games where it's not about characters. It's not about leveling anything up. It's not about, you know, collecting guns or anything. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, pretty simple formula. There's also a couple other game modes that you can try. You have to unlock those as you go. And uh, yeah, seems pretty, pretty simple. Would you, uh, are you like a solitaire dude? Are you a card game dude? 
it has been a long ass time since I've played Solitaire. And this sounds like the kind of game that I, I mean, like you and I discussed in the banter that will be at the end of the show. Um, I have two eight hour car trips coming up and then I have two 15 hour car trips coming up in my future. So seems like the perfect thing for me to try while I'm in the car when I'm not driving, mind you, I will not be playing this while I'm driving. Um, when I'm in the passenger seat while somebody else is driving, it seems like the kind of thing that I will have to download and try out. But it also seems like the kind of thing that no matter how much you try to explain it on the show, I will not understand what the game is until I actually sit down and play it myself. Um, but I'll have to check this out for my road trips in the future. Yeah, apologies to Scott. I mean, I was trying my best to explain it in a concise <laughs> way, but it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, just play it. I mean, you know, I, I kind of explained it as solitaire, and I think most people kind of know what that's like. And it's not exactly solitaire, but it's ish. And, you know, I don't want to spend a half an hour getting into the intricacies of what it is. <laughs> I mean, just just take my word for it. It's very, it's easy to learn. It's very fast. It's very simple. Really breezy. I should have probably also mentioned that it's free, so there's nothing lost if you decide to download it. You can purchase the full version for $2.99, and all the full version does is remove ads. And it's not like ads pop up all the time. It's like when you finish a round, you win some coins that you can use to unlock some of the, the art or the story. And if you want to multiply your coins, you just watch like a really quick video, which is a pretty common mechanic for free-to-play games. If you don't want to watch the videos or whatever, you just pay the $2.99 and... Uh, get rid of all that shit but it's it's super not um offensive in any way you can easily skip it and uh you can get a very good taste for what the game is for free and see if that seems worth three bucks to you or not um i don't know that i'm gonna pay for the three dollars uh i do want to support scott and i support indie developers but just honestly just knowing my play habits i mean puzzle quest pretty much dominates my phone and i don't know that i have room in my life for any other games on my phone so it's just as simple as that but the game itself uh seems pretty good so there we go. Uh, that was Brave Hand by Scott Brody at Heart Shaped Games. Now, moving down the script here, Corey, I have to say I'm a little bit confused, or perhaps <laughs> confuzzled would be the proper word, because I see that you are wanting to talk about Prey, and if memory serves, we talked about Prey a couple of times, didn't we? We did, and honestly, I don't even know what there is left to say at this point, because I, I feel like I've talked Prey to death on the show already and for some reason every once in a while this thing will happen where i will i like won't have anything to play but i'll have a lot of free time and i'll think to myself like well what is like kind of like a long story-based game that i can get back into and maybe like i'll play it maybe it'll suck me back in maybe it won't and you know i'll just kind of see what happens and i thought to myself well i haven't played prey since like it came out in like june or something you know, I played it, I loved it, um, spent like 30 to 40 hours on my first playthrough. Um, currently my number two game of the year. Uh, I totally adore this game. And, uh, and so I was like, well, you know, I'll just, I'll play it again. Like they added, um, they patched in like 4k graphics updates for, you know, HDR stuff for PlayStation pro, which it was dumb because they didn't patch that stuff in until after I finished my first playthrough. So I thought, well, you know, for nothing else, I'll just kind of like walk around space station see if it looks any better you know kind of get a, a feel for it and uh and you know a few days later it had sucked me completely back in and i played the whole thing all over again and did like some trophy hunting and played it totally from a to z all over again and i really uh kind of 
I mean, I like I did play it, but I also don't really know like what all I can really talk about because I've said so much before. Um, maybe I just want to like remind people that it exists because I feel like I'm one of the very few people championing this game. Like I feel like this is one of those games where like everyone that has played it tends to really like it but it just so happens that not very many people played it so it has like a small group of people that are championing it but you know for some reason or another i feel like prey did not sell very well Mm. um they only put out like one or two patches for it after it came out and bethesda is usually really good about like delivering post-game content like when Dishonored 2 came out they patched it with like a difficulty mode where you could go in and tweak every individual facet of the difficulty. And then they patched it with a new game plus mode and they patched it with like the ability to get every like magic ability from the two main characters instead of being um, uh, like, instead of only having the, the, the powers for those characters. And I mean, they're just really good about, uh, about, you know, like continually bringing new content to the games after they come out for free and patches. And like there's stuff in Prey that I was hoping they would have patched in. Like that game is ripe for a new game plus mode. And for some reason, it does not have a new game plus mode. Um, so basically, they just like patched in some little fixes and like some difficulty tweaks. And they brought, you know, like the 4K, like, uh, you know, graphics upgrade. But it's just sad to me because I really love this game. And I feel like I wish it would have sold more because I feel like if it had sold better, maybe Bethesda would have like spent a little more time on it and put, um, you know, some more patches and stuff out for like a new game plus or stuff like that. But uh, it didn't do very well. So um, I guess it's like pipe dreams for me, but I still think the game's excellent. And um, I don't I don't really know what to say other than the fact that I thought one playthrough would be enough for me, but apparently not. I was able to get sucked back in a second time. So here we are. Well, a couple things for me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, number one, I wish I had the free time to replay anything. I don't even <laughs> have time to play, let alone replay. You were just you're pushing all my jealousy buttons today, dude. I am I'm just sorry. like so jealous. Um, other than that, yeah, this game sold like shit. It was a real flop uh, for Bethesda, and I haven't played it. I mean, I played the demo, and I really didn't like what I saw of the demo, so I didn't come back to it. We talked about that on a previous episode, but I think that this game's problem, and I'm just. I'm just totally just spitballing here. I have no empirical data to support this or anything like that. But just like from hearing about the conversation on this game and just kind of observing how, you know, the rise and fall of this game in the the Twitter sphere, et cetera, et cetera. um, It just seems like this game had no personality to draw people in. It's like if you were a fan, from what I gather, if you were a fan of this kind of game, which I don't even know what you would even call it, like first person, I don't know, environmental exploration no what would you what would, <laughs> fucking genre would you even call this dude like what would you call it oh god i don't know it's like i mean it's just like a first person explorational game with like rpg and action elements that's like the worst description but i mean if it's like in the same vein of like deus ex and bioshock and dishonored i mean it's very molded very similarly to those games Right, right. So I guess, I mean, uh, yeah, I think this is a, a genre that struggles to kind of identify itself. I mean, I think that it's one of those things where it's like, you know what it is, but you can't explain it to anybody. Like, you just, <laughs> in your head, know. So I think that people who like these kind of games where you're reading documents, you're searching through environments, you're looking for pathways to go, kind of doing that thing. 
I think if you like that, you probably knew about this game and you probably played it and you probably enjoyed it. But I think for the average person who is faced with a bazillion choices when it comes to buying games, they would look at Prey and go, I don't know what this is about. I, there's nothing about it that's catching my eye. There was no central character that really stood out to anybody. It's hard to identify any villain. There was no strong villain. Um, there's no like real hook to the game that you can easily identify. I mean, I'm sure that there's probably cool things like that gun that you can use to, I don't know, build stuff or whatever, like the gloop gun or what, what the fuck is that gun called? The glue gun. The glue gun, yeah. So, I mean, that seemed like a pretty cool idea, but it's not the kind of thing that you can like put into like a soundbite or easily sell in just like a sentence. And so I think that this game really suffered from having a lack of identity. It just looks really fucking generic <laughs> and it looks really bland. And I'm sure that it's not. I mean, I know you really enjoyed it a lot. I've heard other people that I respect say that this game was really great, and I'm sure that it's going to be on some people's top ten. But just as as someone standing outside of Prey looking in, it looks like a really fucking boring place to visit, and I'm not surprised that it did poorly because there just was nothing about it that would really grab anybody's attention unless you already knew exactly what to expect from it, like you did or like other people who were like Deus Ex fan or Bioshock fans. So, But even with Bioshock, I mean, Bioshock had the big daddies. That's a powerful image. Like, when you see the image of a big daddy and a little sister, like, that's very powerful. And people who don't know anything about the game will look at that, and they'll be intrigued. They'll be really interested in that. Same thing with Deus Ex. When you see um, the picture of, uh, what's that guy's name? Adam uh, Jensen. Yeah. So, see, I don't even know his name, but I know what he looks like. <laughs> I know he's got, the, he's got the glasses, his hair. He's got the goatee. He's got the coat. He's got the robot parts. Like, even if you don't know his name... You remember, oh, that guy looks like a badass. He looks like he's going to throw down and it's going to be good. Like, it look, it looks good, right? But, like, with, with Prey, nothing about it looked good. It didn't look interesting at all. So I think that was really their problem. They just nailed, they failed to have a really easy something to market. They, they didn't have a good character. They didn't have a good hook. And I think that's really where they got sunk. So I could be totally way off. I mean, that could be totally wrong. Maybe the game failed for other reasons. But as someone who was just, like, observing that was really like it seems so generic and just bland that I'm not surprised people ignored it when there's like so many other games to to try right now. So unfortunate. I mean, would you agree with that, Corey? Do you think? Uh, yeah, I actually think I would. I mean, anybody who was interested in this game like knew exactly what they were going to be getting out of it. I mean, it's it's developed by Arcane, who made Dishonored, and this game is basically like if you took Dishonored mechanics and put it into like a sci-fi futuristic space station with like aliens. Like that's kind of what this game is. And I think that Arcane and Bethesda were both hoping like, cause you know, Dishonored is a very popular franchise. Um, you know, it's successful, it's popular. And I think they were kind of hoping like, okay, well, because Dishonored is so popular and because the game kind of looks like Bioshock and System Shock and those games are popular, that maybe people will just like this game and they'll kind of know what it is. But I think that they failed to market it, um, like, effectively. And also, like, I mean, even, you know, like, screenshots and stuff. Like, literally the screenshot that, or, like, the the promotional image they use to pimp this game is, like, the image of the main character, the, the guy version of the main character, because you can play as a, a man or a woman, is him, like, looking in the mirror, like, pulling his eyelid down with, like, his <laughs> eyes, like, bloodshot. And that's, like, not an interesting picture. Like <laughs> Totally. It, yeah, it, I know exactly the image you're talking about. Yeah, because yeah, that's, like, any time you read any article about Prey or anything about Prey, that is always the picture that people use because that was the first picture that Arcane and Bethesda put out for this game. 
and the picture doesn't tell you anything. You're looking at a guy who's looking at his bloodshot eye. It's like, it doesn't tell you anything about the game, and it's such a poor promotional image to use. Totally. And, and I feel that... like they didn't market it as, because like some people think it's a horror game. Like I was talking about Prey the other day um, on uh, on Twitter, and uh, this guy that I know from, I think he lives in like London or something, he he was like, oh, I've been meaning to buy that. I'm just waiting for it to hit a good sale. And I was like, oh, well, you know, it didn't sell very well, so I'm surprised it's not, like, cheap already. And he was like, oh, well, next time I, I pick it up um, or I see it on sale, I'm going to pick it up. And then he asked me, he was like, is it a horror game? Is it scary? And I was like, well, not really. I mean, there's elements of it that have, like, that are, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, kind of, like, tense, like, exploration where, like, maybe something could pop out or maybe something could be scary. But this game, like... It's not a horror game. And I think that that goes to show that people, like, their whole messaging on what the game was was totally mixed up. Like, is it a horror game? Is it an action game? Is it an RPG? Is it an exploration game? Like, is it a walking simulator? Because it kind of looks like that, too. And yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like they really dropped the ball on it, which is weird because Bethesda is usually really good about, like, promoting their games but i feel like they were pumping all of their promotional marketing money into other games and we're just hoping that the fact that the game was made by arcane and that it looked like dishonored and bioshock and system shock that that would be enough to sell it and it was not enough to sell it yeah i don't i mean honestly i know a lot of people respect arcane studios but i don't think their name carries any cachet outside of like the you know the Deus Ex or whatever circles like the whatever genre this is like those circles know Arcane and they respect them, but outside of that I don't think anybody really knows who they are or what they do. They don't have, it's not the kind of studio where you say Arcane and people immediately know you know like they don't have that much clout and so I think that this whole thing was kind of cocked up from the beginning. I don't think they really uh, like visually design in terms of like you know like you said the messaging and everything. It just wasn't it just was not on point. So. That's a shame. Um, hopefully they will. I mean, I'm sure Arcane is going to go on to do other things, uh, no doubt. And, uh, uh, you know, if you're listening to the show, Corey swears by this game. He really enjoys it. I know a lot of other people who have enjoyed Prey. Um, so give it give it a shot. Um, I Are we going to be talking about this one at the end of the year, Corey, perhaps? Uh, definitely talking about it at the end of the year because okay. it's... Okay. Um, like I said, it's my number two game of the year so far. And uh, I mean, and like you said earlier, the demo is on. Um, I believe it has a demo on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One still. There's probably a demo on PC. And the demo, I mean, it's the first like hour of the game. So, I mean, like you did. I mean, if you played the demo and you don't like it, then I mean, you know, that's, that's fine. Then it's probably not going to be the game for you. But the demo, I feel like, does a pretty good job of like kind of showing you what the game is about so i mean if you play it and you like it then i wouldn't hesitate to buy the full game but if you play it and it just kind of washes off then you know this game is not for you there we go there we go and uh like you said we'll probably be talking about this at the end of the year so i'm sure i'm sure we will circle back to pray in the meantime let's move on to something else this is uh i'm up next here talking about a new game which just debuted on ps4 i think it's also on xbox one and pc i think it's called Far From Noise. I didn't know anything about this. I had never heard about it until I saw it on the PSN store as I was just flipping through. You know, every Tuesday when the store updates, I go through and I just check out, see what's new, what's on sale. You know, my, my weekly habit. And I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. What is this? Um, I think it's put out by either one guy or a very small group of, of people. Very, very small. Um, definitely, you know, full-on indie game. And the opening image was really 
arresting to me. So that's really what got me to click on it. Um, and that opening image is something that is tied in directly to the rest of the game. Basically, this is an indie kind of thinky, talky experience where the premise is that you are playing a character who was driving to college and something happened and you swerved off the road and now your car is teetering on the edge of a cliff and it's just slowly like going back and forth and back and forth and you could fall off like at any time. And the entire game is you looking at this car teetering back and forth. Like things will, you know, clouds will go by, sun will rise and fall, thing, you know, birds, you know, will swoop in or whatever. But basically it's just a single screen and you're trapped in the car. You can't leave the car because if you leave, you're going to fall off the cliff and the car is going to go unbalanced. <laughs> so you can't go anywhere. And that's all the game is. Like you were sitting, uh, the person inside the car will have thought bubbles pop up and then you get to choose as a player which one is the one that you select. I have to say, I was a little bit confused at first because I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be the person in the car or if I was witnessing another person going through their own thing in the car. Do you know what I mean? Like, is it, do you know what I'm saying with that distinction? Yeah, like whether it's like an omniscient point of view or like you are the character. Yeah, because I, so like 90, 99.9% of this game is this person's thoughts. Um, somebody else shows up at a certain point. I don't want to really spoil it because it is kind of neat when it happens. But you're not alone for the whole game. Somebody will show up and they will have a conversation with you. And that conversation is a very long extended conversation. So I, at first I was like, when the, the dialogue choices pop up, you know, you get like either two choices or three choices sometimes. And I wasn't quite clear, like, because sometimes the choices, none of them were anything that I would say. And so that was a little bit frustrating. Um, and then I'm like, well, wait a minute, maybe it's not me. Maybe I am not this person. Maybe I'm <laughs> supposed to be helping the person in the car, just kind of, you know, watching this person go through their journey. So that kind of made the whole thing jibe a little better in my head. But um, yeah, so you're, you're sitting there on the car, teetering on the edge of the cliff, elements, rain, sun, uh, sunrise, sunset, and you're just thinking these different thoughts. At first, it's like panic, as I'm sure anybody would assume. But then when it seems like the car, I'm not going to say it's stable because it's like rocking the whole time. But when it seems like you're, you're kind of in this precarious balance, uh, the thoughts kind of run to other things because you're just kind of trapped there. Like you can't get out of the car, but the car's not going anywhere and the mind starts to wander. So you start thinking about these other things. You start thinking about life. You start thinking about the nature of existence. You start thinking about what it means to, to be present. Some of the dialogue topics are really trite and dumb. And those ones really kind of turn me <laughs> off. Like I didn't need the whole game to be super heavy, like not at all, but like, you know, like it almost felt like the person writing was kind of writing like in a Twitter voice where it's like, oh, puppies, I love puppies. Oh, puppers are the best. Ah. And it's like, OK, like that's not me. So I'm not really connecting with this. And it's not really cute or funny. It's just kind of like eh, puppers, you know, like kind of a weird kind of toss in. There's a few other moments like that where it kind of felt like this weird non sequitur divergence from like what was going on uh, but when it got to the meat of the conversation when this person shows up and you start having this conversation with them uh, and they start talking about well you know well what is it you know how come you were unhappy how come you were driving out this road in the first place where were you going what was going on what is what is your goal in life now that you're on this cliff what are you going to do and they start asking about all those things i mean i thought that was pretty well done i i enjoyed some of that conversation 
some of the themes that they raise are things that I've often thought to myself. And so some of that really resonated, not all of it, but some of it did. And so I appreciated that very much. And then at, at some point, um, things get a little bit magical realism, not super magical realism, but just like a touch. And I am a fan of that. I wish it had gone further actually. Um, but, you know, basically you just get to the end of this conversation and that's kind of it. I don't want to give away the ending. And it is possible that there are multiple endings. Uh, but the ending that I got, 100% not satisfying. I was really disgruntled at the end of it because I did not feel... I mean, it didn't, it didn't leave me with a sense of satisfaction. It didn't answer my questions. Uh, I thought it was a real cop-out of an ending, so I was not happy about that. But like I said, there could be other endings because... I noticed that as I was playing, certain achievements would unlock. And at first I thought it was kind of like Walking Dead achievements, where it's like no matter what you do, you get the achievements just for simply playing through the game. But that's not actually true. After I finished, I went to look at the list of achievements and there were several that I didn't get. So I think a lot of it depends on your, your conversation choices, whether you are positive in one section or whether you're negative in another section or whether you like something or don't like something, which is neat. But even though this experience is pretty short, I mean, it's probably like, a two hour experience, I didn't want to play it again. Like I knew I would probably be watching a lot of the same chunks of conversation over and over. And I kind of basically already knew what was going to happen. So I didn't want to play it again to see different outcomes because I just had this suspicion. It wasn't going to be that different. And, um, you know, like I said, it was pretty good, but it didn't like capture me fully the first time through. So really disappointed by the ending. I thought it was a really shitty ending. Um, but in general, I like this idea and, I mean, how many fucking games do you play where it's all on a single screen? I mean, the, the idea of being perched on a cliff is a pretty cool idea to me. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I got a few more things to say, but I've been talking for a while. Corey, what do you, what do you think of this? I mean, I almost, I, I was wondering whether I should recommend it to you or not, because I know that you're down for, like, walking sims and thinking games sometimes. But does this sound interesting to you or no? This is either the kind of game that I would play and love or I would get really annoyed and hate it because it sounds to me like whenever um, as you're describing it and from what because I've seen like, you know, the screenshot of the game that kind of like takes place, uh, you know, for most of the game. So I know what you're talking about. This reminds me of the game Three Fourths Home, which is the game oh, yes, where you're like, yes, yes. You're like driving through a, a rainstorm in Nebraska and basically all you're doing is like holding one trigger to drive the car and then like selecting dialogue choices as like the main character talks on the phone. And I thought that game was so boring and I thought it was not interesting and just like it's kind of the same thing you said, like a lot of the stuff that the character in the game was saying was not stuff that I would have said or not stuff that I would have thought. So like it really like all comes down to the writing like this is the kind of game where i feel like if the writing is there for me and if i can really relate to it or if i can relate to the situation or maybe like find something insightful about it that i would love it but there's a very big chance that i would not be able to get on board with it and i might not even finish it i'm glad you said that because i think far from home that was the name of it right far from home far from three fourths three fourths home three, three. fourths no <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting the i'm mixing the two titles up i apologize folks no the game we are talking about now is called far from noise and the game Corey was referencing is three-fourths home is that right yes yeah i'm glad you brought that up because that is actually a very good parallel it is the same kind of thing where in three-fourths home you're driving i don't know across cornfields or something and all you're doing is driving like nothing happens and you have these conversations i liked the idea of that game but like you, that did not connect with me at all. I felt like it was really boring and I didn't didn't relate. 
Um, I think Far From Noise is better than Three Fourths Home, but it is kind of the same thing where you're just looking at one screen and it's really, really hinging on the writing to catch you. Now, I think the writing is better. Uh, on the whole, it's better in um, Far From Noise. But yeah, those moments when it diverges and when the person's like talking about puppies or owls or they say something really flip or something that just really kind of jolts me out of the mood really kind of ruined it. And I, um, you know, I mean, maybe that's going to connect with some people, maybe not, but I, I think that the parts that were good were good, but the parts that were bad really kind of, really kind of threw a wet blanket on some of it. And <laughs> the ending really, really left me cold. I was really kind of resentful about the ending. Um, but I would recommend it to people who are interested in alternative kind of experiences, especially on the PS4 where, you know, you do get a fair amount of indies, but this is pretty fucking indie. Like this is pretty out there as far as indies go. And it's only, I want to say it's like $7 full price or something. It's not even like that huge of an investment. So, you know, skip your giant venti frappuccino one day and you could get this and spend two hours going through this. Um, not for everybody. I'm glad I played it. I'm glad I played it. And I was almost kind of considering maybe maybe bumping it up on my list. And there was a few points at which I felt like it could have been on my top 10. But then, like, as soon as it started feeling good, like, it started feeling bad. And, like, it just, it was kind of hit or miss. So not going to be on my top 10, but I did like what it was doing. Uh, interesting. Um, and seven bucks. So far from noise. Uh, check it out, I guess, uh, folks, if you want to check it out. <laughs> Um, we got a couple more things to go and then we shall wrap up the show. Um, first, uh, Corey, Call of Duty, Call of Duty, uh, shooter man, shooter game, gun shooter, shooter, Call of Duty, first person, bang, bang. Tell me about it. Yes. Um, so when we say at the beginning of the show that we talk about new games and old games and anything in between, this is the definition of that. So what happened here was... I, I'm not going to be talking about the new Call of Duty for anybody that's wondering. I have not played it. I might not ever play it. But um, what, I, what I forgot was um, in an effort to beef up the amount of games I would get from Gamefly or to increase uh, the frequency that I would receive them whenever I send a game out, I forgot that I had put uh, the, the remaster of Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the very first Modern Warfare, because they remastered it and released it with, I think, Infinite Warfare last year. Um, they finally released it as a standalone game because I think it was only packaged in with Infinite Warfare for a while, and they released it as a standalone game. It's a, It has a physical release because it's on Gamefly. So I thought, hey, you know, that's something that I would be interested in revisiting. And I forgot that I had it on my queue, and I returned Wolfenstein, and I got an email from Gamefly that's like, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered is, is on its way. And I was like, oh, damn it, because I forgot. I like, it's not the top game I want to play right now, but... Uh, you know, I'm glad I revisited it. So I got it in the mail. I played it. And, you know, I mean, like, think think back to a time whenever Halo was absolutely the biggest first-person shooter on the map. Whenever that original Xbox came out, Halo was the end-all, be-all of first-person shooters. And every single shooter that came out, every cover of every gaming magazine would say, is this the Halo killer? Is this going to be the game that kills Halo? Is it going to be better than Halo? Because, like, um, you know, you obviously had Halo 1, 2, and 3, and then you had Killzone, and Killzone was supposed to be the Halo killer, and then it did not kill Halo, and then you had whatever else first-person shooter came out. Well, I feel like maybe it's fair to say that Call of Duty Modern Warfare was the Halo killer. Like, Call of Duty Modern Warfare was the game that finally took 
World War One and World War Two style uh, first person shooters that people had been playing so long with the Call of Duties and with Medal of Honor. And Infinity Ward said, hey, we're going to make a game that's set in present day. Instead of doing, you know, muskets and, you know, that stuff, we're going to make a present day war game. It's going to be serious and it's going to be gritty and it's going to be like, you know, Marines and the SAS and it's going to be like the new thing. And this game really set I mean, for better or for worse, it really set the standard for pretty much what most first-person shooters were from then on out. And I, uh, so I thought, okay, like, you know, I would be interested in revisiting this. It's a remaster. It's on the PlayStation 4. Um, I played it whenever it came out. You know, I can't remember the year it came out, but several years ago. It was like 2007 or something. And, uh, and you know, maybe, because I remember thinking it was fine at the time. It didn't, like, blow me away. But I know that Call of Duty Modern Warfare, I've seen several people talk about how it's in their list of favorite shooters of all time. And so I thought, okay, I'll revisit this. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You know, maybe because I've played so many first-person shooters since it, maybe it'll be shitty or maybe it'll, you know, kind of I'll, I'll be able to, like, really connect with it in a way that I understand now that I didn't understand whenever I was younger. And uh, so I played all of it. And, again, uh, having not played it since it originally came out. And I have to say it is it is enjoyable to play, but it kind of – I don't think it really holds up as well as I was expecting it to um, because most of the game, like the interesting thing about Call of Duty, and this is something that Call of Duty was kind of known for at the time and continued to do for years on, was instead of you being one protagonist and playing through the whole game as, you know, a series of levels through one protagonist, you could, there were several protagonists. And in this case, I think there's two or three in Call of Duty Modern Warfare. So you're constantly kind of bouncing back. Like in one mission, you're a marine and you're in like afghanistan or something and then in the next mission you're like a member of like the british sas and you're in some like on a tanker ship but somewhere else so it's kind of cool because it keeps and it kind of breaks up the linearity of like one level after another being the sort of like the exact same setting the exact same story and it kind of bounces you back and forth and keeps things uh, very brisk and exciting and then eventually kind of like marries the storylines into you know kind of a common goal at the end but I had a I had kind of a I mean I know that like military shooters aren't known for their stories but I had a really hard time kind of keeping up with like what the hell was going on in the story because like at the beginning you invade a tanker ship that has like a nuclear weapon on it and then the tanker like sinks and you don't retrieve the nuclear weapon it just like goes down with the ship i guess which doesn't seem very safe um and then you're like there's like a guy in the middle east who like assassinates a middle eastern president and then you're like trying to get the guy and he and then in the middle of the game which is like the thing the game is known for there's like an actual nuclear bomb goes off in the middle of the game like in one of the missions and that was kind of like kind of groundbreaking at the time because one of the characters actually like one of the main characters actually dies and you get to play the sequence where like the the bomb goes off and you're like bloody and like climbing out of this helicopter like trying to see you know who's alive on your team and that sequence is still pretty intense um but it just kind of seems like it comes out of nowhere like it's which i mean i guess maybe there's like some kind of commentary to that like 
Uh, like, you know, you can't always see a nuclear bomb coming. Like, boom, it hits you. And no matter what you're doing, it kind of upends everything that's going on. But um, I don't know. I can't tell if the game is trying to have social commentary about war or if it just serves as a catalyst for this, like, kind of, like, dude bro, like, pro-military, like, nearing, like, you know, state propaganda shooter kind of thing. And I'm not really sure, like, what, like, like if that was their intention or what was going on. Because um, I found myself being kind of annoyed with most of the game. Because, I mean, Modern Warfare is kind of also the game that set off the trend of, like, a series of uh, military shooters where you're, like, the American white guy hero and you're shooting brown people for the whole game. And that was like a trend for a very long time. And it's a very annoying trend. And I feel like, I don't know, like playing it was just interesting because it kind of like kicked off the, like I was able to like relive the fact that it, you know, sort of like kicked off this trend of shooters that lasted for, I mean, a decade or more, um, you know, some to this day are even still doing that. So I don't know. I feel like I just word vomited all over the place. Um, Brad, what do you, what responses or questions do you have? Um, if I any. Play this, I do have some. I mean, I, let me just kind of go global for a minute here. I think Call of Duty is bullshit. Like, it's always <laughs> been bullshit. It's got some of the worst storytelling in video games, period. Their stories are always so terribly told terribly written and just awful i mean i've played through most of them and not because i mean i don't even i'm not even like a big first person fan i just you know i always it's always the thing that's going on it's always the big game so as a critic i usually find myself okay well i better check this out and see what's going on i have never found anything to really celebrate or to be interested by i think they just have uniformly awful writing i have very very little appreciation for anything they try to do in those games um, and I don't know why anybody gives a fuck about the story or why anybody <laughs> cares. I mean, I thought the nuclear bomb thing was everything in that game was just really poorly done. I couldn't follow the characters. I couldn't follow the plot. It was just a mishmash of bullshit. Uh, I, you know, a lot of people were freaking out. I heard some people, you know, say that they cried or they were so shocked that this guy died and all this. And I played through it and I was just like mega eye roll one after another. Yeah. I just couldn't, couldn't be fucking bothered. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a lot of love for the Call of Duty. I mean, I get that it's got multiplayer, and that's really why people play it, and that's fine. I I don't know much about the multiplayer because I'm not that kind of a multiplayer guy. I'm sure it's great, whatever, whatever. But when you're talking about the campaign, the campaigns are all fucking hot garbage. They're all stupid. They're all poorly written, and I don't have time for any of them. So I don't think that there was really anything to really connect with or to come back to to see if it resonated or anything, I think those things are just bullshit to begin with. And I think they get too much of a, I don't know that they necessarily get a pass, but I see people talk about them in positive ways in general. And I think that, that what they need to do is be called out for being like really shitty is what they are. They're just awful. I got nothing good to say about them. So that's where I stand on call of duty. <laughs> I mean, in general, I tend to agree with you. I mean, the only, because I played all of Call of Duty Modern Warfare whenever it came out. I played all of Modern Warfare 2. And then I played a little bit. Like, I played a tiny bit of Modern Warfare 3 and then stopped, like, two missions in. Because it was basically the same copy-pasted bullshit that had been happening in the games before it. I think I played a little bit of Black Ops 2 and then stopped. Because um, I basically wasn't interested in how the game was progressing. And... I played a little bit of advanced warfare and stopped like halfway through 
And then I played um, Black Ops 3. I played all of, and there was only one interesting mission in the entire game. And then I played Infinite Warfare last year, and I actually liked Infinite Warfare quite a bit, way more than I thought I was going to, uh, which I know we talked about on the show already. But um, I think the big problem for me, and I was just remembering this as I was listening to you and kind of uh, thinking this out of my head with, with Call of Duty, is that like half the game is the game not caring that you're there like you're usually in a squad type situation where there's several you know you have like your squad mates around you and you're shooting and they're all ai controlled and all that stuff and the game is nearly perfectly fine with you not doing anything and just like you're just kind of like along for the ride and then the other half of the game is you being in the squad but no one doing anything and you have to do all the work, even though you have like 10 soldiers around you doing everything. And it's this constant back and forth of like the game being like, hey, we don't care that you're here. You're just kind of here. Like you don't have to do anything. Let's just walk around. Like I'm pretty sure in the first mission of the game, you can literally kill nobody. You just run through with them and they do all the work for you. And the game doesn't really care that you're there. And then there's some missions where you're like protecting a tank in the middle of this like Middle Eastern battlefield. And it seems like nobody's getting anything done except for you. And like you die really quickly. And uh, I don't know. It's just a weird. Um, it's like the, the game doesn't care. It doesn't care that you're there. It doesn't really. Um, I don't know. It, it doesn't make you feel like you want to be there or that it cares that you're there or any of that stuff and i feel like maybe infinite warfare changed that for me because it actually gave me a lot of agency over what was going on in the story and the game just looked great and i don't know i just get that general vibe from call of duties where it's like hey we're just gonna move the story along on this roller coaster and beat you over the head with the frying pan and hope that you are you know still alive at the end and then that's that's it yeah basically they 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 craft some cockamamie stuff like a bunch of set pieces and a bunch of bullet flash and explosions and they think it's a story and they think you're going to get rah rah I don't know patriotic or something and just go for it I mean whatever I I literally could not give a fuck about Call of Duty I've played most I don't like any of them I'm ready to move on when you're ready to move on I got nothing nothing happy to say nothing good to contribute here um yeah I don't really know what else I have to say I did adjust for kicks I put Modern Warfare 2 into my place or into my uh, Xbox 360 because that does not have a remaster. And I played the first like three missions of it last night just to see like, you know, if it were better or something. And I actually think Modern Warfare 2 is better at mixing up the set pieces because um, it's less like brown and gray shooter. Like you're in like a snow level in one mission and you're like sneaking through like snowy fog. And then you're like doing that like tinker mission where you have like silenced shotguns and shit. And I, I kind of like that setup, but I mean, the more the Call of Duties went on, the more they became like Hollywood blockbuster, like bullshit shooters. But I don't know. It was interesting to revisit Modern Warfare just to see like, hey, this game set the standard for like what military shooters are going to be for the next 10 years. Like, let's revisit the first game and then just to kind of see, you know, how it was and to reflect on it and to, uh, I don't know, play it, I guess. And I mean, the plus side is that the campaign's only like, I don't know, like seven or eight or hours long or something like that. So it's not like I spent like 30 hours playing it. It was just kind of a brisk in and out. And that was that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of brisk in and out. But um, circling back to Halo, I think, uh, I don't know that I would say that Call of Duty killed Halo. I mean, I think it kind of assumed the mantle of multiplayer. Like it can't, it became the de facto 
multiplayer for a while, but I, I also think Halo killed itself because it just <sighs> got... So another example of like a game with horrible writing that gets a pass. I mean, the stories in Halo are garbage, and I think just like with the number of stumbles that series took and how boring and how they failed to innovate, I think that they kind of did themselves in. But anyway, that's a discussion for another day, and honestly, <laughs> I don't have a horse in that race because I don't fucking care, but I just thought it was interesting that... You know, these these shooters, I mean, to me, I don't know. I just, I guess I'm just not that guy. So I'll stop saying negative things before we get a, a flood of hate mail. Oh, dear. And let's move on to happier topics. Um, only one final topic and then we're out of here. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you have the memo, Corey, but we've added a new segment to the show. It's called Weekly Warframe. <laughs> Were you aware of this? <laughs> um, as of last week, I think. Now we can make it official. <laughs> not going to make a big deal out of it this week, but... Um, I just wanted to quickly touch on it. I'm spending a lot of time playing this game, like, but not all at once. I'm playing 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there. Uh, I mentioned this last episode, how it's like really perfect for my busy schedule right now. So that's, that's what I'm able to get in. Uh, so I just want to touch on it really briefly. Um, the thing that I wanted to mention this week, uh, a game's still good. B, I wrote a really long primer for people like me who wanted to get into the game and were really confused by everything that was going on at the beginning, uh, whether you were someone who played it in the past and you came back and you forgot what was going on, or maybe you came back and saw all of the changes and the revamps and didn't recognize what was going on. Or if you are somebody new who hears me talking about it or hears people talking about it on Twitter, um, the game is really picking up a lot of steam uh, recently. It's really taking off. So a lot of people are wondering what's up with Warframe. Uh, so at this point, I'm probably, this is going to sound totally insane to you, but I'm pretty close to like 100 hours in the game, but it's not 100, like it's it's never like two hours at a time. It's like 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. So if you can imagine like how scattered my week is where I've got like 100 hours over the last month and a half, but all in 10 minute increments, right? So that's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of yeah. a shitty way to, to like live life and play games, but that's that's where we are right now. Uh, anyway, I wrote this really long article. It's up on Game Critics. It's called Warframe 101. And so I just wanted to throw that out real quickly and direct people there. If you're interested in the game, you want to learn about the game, you want to jump into the game, but you just don't know what the fuck is going on, totally feel you. That was exactly me a month ago. I had so many questions. My head was spinning. But I have taken all of the tips that I learned, and I tried to streamline it down so that anybody reading this article would not be overwhelmed with too much useless information. I try to tell you just the stuff you need to know to get rolling, just, you know, just to get deep enough in the game to see whether you like it or not and whether you want to go further. But anything that I thought of that could be a problem at the beginning, whether it's the jargon, whether it's what does this menu mean, whether it's where do I go for such and such resource or what is going on, I try to address all those questions in a very simple, straightforward, non-jargony way, try to get as plain English as possible, hopefully... I have achieved that. Hopefully it's understandable and approachable and clear and concise. That was my goal. Um, so please go over to Game Critics and check out Warframe 101. It's currently on the homepage. It may not be on the homepage by the time you hear this podcast, but if not, it'll be in the blogs. Check it out. Let me know what you think. If there's something I can add or change, I'm happy to edit as we go along. Uh, but that article is there, and otherwise I'll shut up about it now. I'm still loving the game, still playing the game a lot. I will probably talk about it next week, but uh, that is our weekly Warframe check-in. If you don't watch out, Digital Extreme's just going to hire you to be some kind of, like, content strategist for Warframe. I would be okay with that because they would probably pay me more than I'm making now. That would be fine. Digital <laughs> Extremes, if you want to hire me, I'm your man. Just uh, <laughs> drop me an email, bradgalloway at gmail. Go ahead and hit me up. It's totally fine. <laughs> uh, so that's it. I think that brings us to the end of our show, Corey. Um, any last little tidbits or shall we push on? 
Uh, I think we're good. Maybe just make a note that, um, like we're, we'll talk, we talked about it in the banter, which you'll hear at the end of the show. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling over Thanksgiving weekend. So the next show we record, uh, not sure when we're going to record it. It might be a short show where Brad and I just bullshit about what we did for Thanksgiving. Um, cause I'm probably not going to be playing very many games over the next week. So the next show might be a short bantery one. We'll just have to see whenever we get there. Yeah, yeah. Please bear with us for the next couple of weeks, folks. I mean, not only is it my work schedule, but like Corey said, also the holidays. He's got his road trip from hell coming up, and I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I'm probably going to be working a lot of unusual hours. So we are still committed to doing the show. The show is still healthy and fine. Still going to be doing weekly episodes, but they just may be a little less regular. But uh, please stick with us. Please bear with us. Give us your patience and understanding. We would appreciate it very much. And uh, So Video Games is still going to be So Video Gaming. Um, (laughs) So hang tight. Uh, also remember to, uh, stick around for the banter. If you, uh, would like to do that, if not, feel free to take off and we'll catch you next week. This is the end of the official games talk. In the meantime, whether you stay or go, please remember dear listeners that you can send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you would like to hit us up. So video games podcast at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter as a show at so video games and you can reach us individually. Corey, how can people find you on Twitter? They can find me. Uh, my Twitter handle is my first and last name. It is Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. And speaking of feedback, I want to give a big thank you to everybody who tweeted at us and agreed with my opinions about Bound last week and said that Brad was a giant idiot. Oh, man. <laughs> you definitely you definitely won that round, which is totally fine. I mean, I'm, I'm really happy, number one, that um, people listened to the show so that there was even <laughs> feedback at all. And number two, that they actually played the game that we talked about. That's awesome. I love seeing that and hearing that. That makes me so happy. And uh, it totally, I mean, I, I don't care if people agree with me or not. I mean, I was just thrilled that we got like that level of engagement. That was really cool. So to everybody who played Bound last week and tweeted us and said that Corey was right and I was wrong, that's totally <laughs> fine. Still love you all anyway. I'm really happy that uh, we got that little bit of back and forth. So that was really cool. That was really cool. Um, I still think Bound does not work for me as a game, but you guys are free to have your own opinions, and we're still friends. It's all good. (laughs) Um, Anyway, oh, yeah, and as far as my Twitter handle goes, uh, it's my name, Brad Galloway, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's, not a single O in my name. And I think that brings us to the end of another So Video Games. We will be back next week. Like I said, don't know exactly when, but we will be back next week. And for now, this is Bye from Brad. And bye from Corey. We will see you guys next time. God, dude, sorry um, for being late. Ever since I started this new schedule, it's been nuts. I, yeah. So uh, can you can you like talk about it on the show? What like what it is and what you're doing and stuff? Well, not exactly, um, <laughs> because I am a fucking secret agent, uh, which would be really sad. Which because I'd be working for Trump, which would be really awful. No, um, oh. it's it's a job that I can't really talk about on air. I mean, I'm happy to talk with you about it in the privacy of a non podcast sense. 
But uh, I'm on call for stuff all the time. I'm on call on uh, nights and weekends and holidays. So I'm kind of like the go-to guy when people need something in a hurry. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's inconvenient in the sense that I'm always on duty at every night and every weekend and every holiday, which in general, 99% of the time, no big deal because, um, you know, we're homeschoolers. We kind of live by our own schedule and it's, it's not a problem. But it has been so fucking busy. Like, it's usually not that busy, but we've just had a ton of work. And so I've been out until like 4 o'clock uh, in the morning, like, like every night the last couple nights. And then... I went to go back this morning, and the guy that I was working with just fucking couldn't get his head out of his ass. It just took forever. <laughs> I should have been home like an hour ago. I was like, oh, it's totally fine. I'll get home. I'll have like an hour and a half, get ready for the show. I'll be able to get the script ready, and then, you know, I'll press Corey with my preparations. And, of course, we're like half an hour late because I was like driving by the seat of my pants to get back home, and it was just like a mess, like a total mess. So, sorry. <laughs> sorry for being late. How, how are you, sir? Uh, no, that's, that's fine. Um, you don't have to apologize, uh, but I'm okay. I, um, in a, uh, turn of events that you're probably going to envy very much, uh, I just got out of bed about an hour ago, so, um. Oh, man, jealous. Yeah, I mean, I went to bed really late. I went to bed at, like, uh, like 8 o'clock in the morning and got up at about 2, 2.30. I hit snooze about 50 times. I had, in a very tragic uh, move, I had to set my alarm for 1.30 p.m., which is just so sad. Oh, um, you are straight up trolling <laughs> me now, dude. You were just, you are trying to hurt my feelings is what you're doing. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I'm okay. I'm, um, uh, this is weird. So, like, I, you, we'll talk about this on the show proper, I'm sure, but, like, recording during the day. Like, it's kind of nice because, um, you usually we record late and I have to like I don't have to be quiet but like usually like Patrick is sleeping a couple rooms away and I don't want to be like super loud but right now it's just me and the cats um so I don't have to like I don't know I I, it's not like I ever like censor myself or like be quiet for the show but um now I like extra I don't have to worry about that but I'm pissed because they're the house directly across the street from me and like if you can imagine me right now, I live in a one-story house. I'm sitting in my living room. My Right behind me to my back is, like, the front window of the house, and it's, like, two feet away from me. The house across the street from that front window. Like, I don't know. Like, they've been working on it, basically, and I don't even know who they is. Like, I don't know if somebody owns it or if they're it's, like, a rental house or something, but there's been people over there working on it for probably, like, three or four months, like, for several hours every day and, like, really, like, tearing it up and fixing it up, and there's been people outside with, like, leaf blowers all day so hopefully like if there's any like random like leaf blower noise coming through or like hammers or saws or any bullshit hopefully that doesn't um come through but of course i was like so excited about recording during the day and then i'm like oh yeah everybody's awake during the day so you know there's going to be like maybe outside noises and stuff but uh yeah no worries no worries um we'll just muddle through um i was going to bring this well, I guess I'll save it for the actual show. I was actually going to address the fact that we're kind of going through some scheduling, uh, you know, shenanigans right now. But I'll bring it up <laughs> when we um, get to the opening. I mean, the other bummer. I mean, I mean, I, I I like this new schedule, so it's really cool. Um, maybe we'll have some leaf blowing. I mean, a little leaf blowing is not bad. <laughs> kind of freshens things up a little bit. But the other the other bummer thing. I was going to ask you if you had Thanksgiving plans, but I had actually made plans to get together with some friends who I think probably has listened to this show. Oh, and we dear. were really looking forward to it. Uh, but then at the time, I hadn't had this contract come through, and it wasn't really sure that I was going to get it or not. So I was kind of making like plan B and plan C. 
And then at the very last minute, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 no, it's good to go. We're, we're doing it. So I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay, well, I made Thanksgiving plans that I need to change now. And I had a bunch of other things lined up that I need to change. So for us, Thanksgiving is kind of on a indefinite hiatus because um, we said we're going to get to these these friends of ours. And I don't want to do it uh, without them. And it's just not as fun to kind of just make a dinner for three people. And so we just put a pause on it. So once my schedule evens out a little bit, we're going to have Thanksgiving later on. I don't know, the week after, two weeks after, or who knows when. But um, what, what are you guys <laughs> doing for Thanksgiving? Anything? Uh, we are – so we are getting our holiday plans in order. And um, so, like, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show. And you might know this, but I don't know if, like, you know, people listening to the show do. Um, I I mean, I guess I've talked about how I grew up in Missouri a bunch of times. So, like, I'm from the Kansas City area, for Kansas City, Missouri, and – um, you know, before I moved to New Orleans, I lived in Omaha for like three years. And Patrick's family is from southeast Missouri because uh, Kansas City is like northwest Missouri. His family lives in southeast Missouri or his his mom and stepdad live in southeast Missouri. And his dad and stepmom live in Tennessee, like a little bit out of Nashville. Um, like in like some I think there are like some suburbs that are like an hour out of Nashville, if I'm not mistaken. So we're doing Thanksgiving with his dad and stepmom this year. And so Thursday morning, because Patrick is off work Thursday, Friday, and I mean, he's always off. Well, I guess he's always off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but he uh, he's off Thursday, obviously, because of Thanksgiving. So Thursday morning, we're driving to Tennessee, which is about an eight-hour drive from New Orleans, and we're going to be in uh, Tennessee Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we'll leave Sunday morning and come back because he has to work on Monday morning. And then for Christmas, we are doing like a grand tour of Missouri. Like we're going to drive all the way from New Orleans to Missouri. We're probably going to stop. I'm not really sure exactly like the order of stops we're going to make, but I think we're going to stop in Southeast Missouri first because we'll hit it first coming from New Orleans and then we'll see his family. And then we'll probably, I don't know if we're going to go to St. Louis because his family lives about an hour, an hour and a half away from St. Louis. And like, we both have friends in St. Louis. I'm not sure if we're going to St. Louis, but we might go to St. Louis. We're probably going to go to Columbia, which is where I went to college, where both of us went to college. And that's directly between Kansas City and St. Louis in the state of Missouri. And then we're going to go to Kansas City and see my family. And then we're going to, I think we're actually going to go to Omaha, which is about three hours away from Kansas City and see some friends that we you know, obviously haven't seen since we moved away from Omaha. And then we're going to go back to New Orleans. And I'm not sure if we're going to, like, stop everywhere on the way to Omaha and then just drive straight back from Omaha or if we're going to, like, make stops on, like, if we're going to stop back in Kansas City and then back in Columbia and back in Rolla, which is the southeast Missouri town. Um, so uh, we're going to have a lot of driving on our hands because New Orleans to Omaha is like 15 hours. And I made that drive whenever we moved here. Patrick flew. Um, so we're going to be driving like, you know, grand total, probably like 30 hours of driving in about a week or a week <laughs> oh. and a half. That sounds absolutely fucking awful. That sounds terrible. I would I would never want to do that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Gina would join you because uh, she loves road trips. I fucking hate road trips i can't stand them it's like literally like my least favorite thing in the world to do i mean if you're ruling out like all of the obvious like tortures and, and ways to die like road trip is like super at the top of like stuff i hate man do you know are you just you, you're fine like driving like you don't mind driving you put on some podcasts or how do you get through all that fucking driving uh 
I don't know. It kind of depends. Like whenever I I feel like driving is one of those things that like, like, you know, whenever you turn 16 and you get your driver's license, like whenever I was in, in high school, I was like always the guy who wanted to drive. Like anytime we'd go and do something, I'd be like, yeah, I'll drive. I'll drive. I love driving. Cause it was like so fresh and so new. And I had a car that I really liked. And, um, and then like whenever I got to college, I kind of like liked driving less like it got old and I went to like my college was about an hour and a half away from my house my hometown and that's not very far but I remember like going home on weekends and being like oh god I have to drive an hour and a half like ugh, and then an hour and a half back to college and like now that I'm older and I'm more mature like I'm like applying to jobs that would be like an hour and a half commute on a daily basis so like I've obviously come around to the idea of driving a lot but um when I drove to New Orleans, whenever we moved here, I mean, I made the drive from Omaha to New Orleans, which is 15 hours with just me and the two cats in the car and obviously like some luggage and some bags and stuff. But like I drove to, um, Arkan to little, I think little rock, Arkansas is where I stopped. Cause I wasn't going to make a 15 hour drive in a single day. So I did, I did a half and a half and um, and I mean, that was fine. Like, I guess I listen to music. I listen to podcasts. The kind of shitty thing about podcasts is like, you know, me being a podcast co-host, I actually don't have a lot of podcasts that I listen to on rotation just because I don't, like I've said before on the show, like I don't really drive a lot right now. Cause I don't have like a full-time job that I'm driving to every single day. So the only podcast, um, I mean, I have a few that I have bookmarked in my podcast app, but the only one that I like kind of go back and look through is the Nerdist podcast. Um, because I like the guests that uh, Chris Hardwick has on because he like gets a lot of really famous people and it's cool to just like listen to famous people that I'm interested in just kind of like sit down and talk for an hour or two and not do like really stupid like candid you know like talk show interviews but the downside to the Nerdist podcast is that I actually don't think Chris Hardwick is a very good host Um, like I don't want to be a jerk but he like he like asks every celebrity the exact same questions and he's one of those people that like for a question that should take him about five to ten words to ask he uses about 30 words to ask those questions and it's just so like you'd think after hosting a podcast for so long and interviewing so many pe- so many famous people and doing like tv shows and you know stuff like that that he would like understand how to speak concisely a little bit more but he doesn't um but uh, I don't know. That's probably not something that gets on other people's nerves, but it gets on my nerves. But uh, that's the only podcast that I have. Like, ha- like if I'm making a road trip or driving an hour and a half, I'll like look up a couple episodes of The Nerdist with like maybe some celebrities that I'm interested in and listen to those. But uh, I don't know. I'd probably do good to have some like other podcasts on rotation. Um, but it's like it's hard to get into podcasts, you know, because like if someone has a big library of shows. Like, do you jump into the newest episode or do you go all the way back to the beginning and like let them ease you into the shows? And I always have the problem, too, where like a a lot of podcasts are hosted by like all dude panels. Like, I, you know, I'm sure I could look up podcasts that have women in them and I probably should do that. But it's like I find myself more often than not if I like dip a toe into a new podcast that's hosted by like three or four dudes they all sound exactly the fucking same to me and I can't like tell who's whom on the show and it would take me like several episodes just to like understand who is speaking when and like try to get their like voice tones down and stuff so I don't know jumping in a podcast is hard but um did you say who's whom I did 
You bastard. That's what I thought you said. I was like, yeah. wait, wait a minute. Don't be pulling the grammar card on me here, buddy. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just trying to be proper. I know I don't speak perfectly, but when I, when I can, I try to. Oh, man. So now I feel like the dunce because I've never said that. Now i gotta, I now I got to find some opportunity in today's show to sound like I know the English language. <laughs> you just you just set a challenge for me now. Damn it. Uh, as, as far as the podcast things go, I don't listen. So I guess I'm kind of weird in the sense that, like, I don't necessarily listen to a podcast because I like the personalities. Like, I know that's why a lot of people listen to podcasts, and that's cool. Like, I'm not against that. But, like, when I listen to a podcast, what I really want is, like, the latest news and i want the latest opinions on the latest games like that's really the only thing that really keeps my attention like i don't want to hear about anything else like i don't want to hear about anybody's story or anything i mean there's there's some podcasters that i like and you know over the years that i've listened to podcasts i've of course grown attached to a few um specific people like i get used to their jokes or i get used to how they are and that's cool like that's really fun um but what i really like out of a podcast is just like oh game xyz came out and we're talking about it this week so like yeah yeah i want to hear about i want to hear about the new thing so that's what i really like the most so that kind of sways me more than anything else um but as far as like finding new podcasts it's tough because uh i always want more podcasts because i I spend a lot of time in the car so i go through podcasts pretty quickly and there's like the worst time for me is when i'm in the car i've got somewhere to go and i'm like i've listened to all of my podcasts i'm like oh fuck like what am i gonna do (laughs) like i just uh sucks so i always ask for recommendations and i found a couple good ones but like a lot of the time somebody recommends something to me and it's just really uh you know not like i want to shit talk every other podcast i mean we're on a podcast it sounds kind of gauche to be kind of like shit talking other podcasts right like i mean we're not the best podcast in the world we're not the most entertaining guys in the world i'm not trying to sound like we're the, the shit or anything i'm just speaking as just as a person who listens to a lot of podcasts not trying to throw shade anywhere uh but i listen to a lot of podcasts and let's like you get these podcasts where it is like a lot of dude bros and they're just like spending a lot of time trying to one up each other with jokes and they just like waste a lot of time. And sometimes I don't even laugh and they seem really hipster or just their sensibilities that don't really line, like line up with my sensibilities sometimes. Or something that really gets me is I listen to this one particular podcast. who's really good about covering current stuff, which is great, but they all have a lot of money. Like it's very obvious. They're all very comfortable and so they're always talking about buying the latest thing or getting the latest thing and like this no big deal and getting, you know, the new tech and stuff. It's, it's really obnoxious because, I mean, I got a good job, but, you know, we're basically a single income family and budget is usually pretty tight for us. So I like hearing um, from people who are kind of more in my socioeconomic bracket, I guess. I don't know. Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that a normal thing? I don't know if that's a normal thing, but I don't like listening to a podcast where the people are obviously better off than I am because I find that it really bothers me. Uh, Maybe that's my own insecurity, perhaps. But if I was going to start a new one, what I usually do is I'll listen to the most recent episode of whatever it is. And if I don't immediately break into hives, like if if it's not super irritating (laughs) or if I don't get angry at some shit they say, then I'll go back. I'll go back like 10 episodes and just to kind of get a feel for who's who and like what how the show goes and like what the flow is. And then that'll kind of catch me up. I don't usually like go far, far back because like I said, my focus is like current stuff. And if I go further back then 10 then it's like oh we're talking about stuff that i don't care about anymore or (laughs) news that is no longer news you know it's history and but that's kind of what i do but i have a pretty good core of shows and i i'm always looking for new ones i mean if anybody's listening to this show and they've listened this far because even though we're talking about this first this is actually going to be last so if you're listening to this then you are one of our true fans hello nice to meet you (laughs) um 
give us your suggestions as to what other shows you like because I'm always wanting to add to my my repertoire. So send us an email here at So Video Games. I would love to hear more about that. But uh, yeah, what anyway? What else? What else you got going on besides uh, road trips, man? God, that trip sounds horrific. By the way, God, I was like. I, <laughs> I would never, like, so side note, like, whenever we go, Gina always is mad at me because I don't like to go on road trips. She loves road trips. I fucking hate them, like, so <laughs> much. I would rather do anything than go on a road trip. And uh, my, my personal rule is, like, if we can't get there in three hours, we're not going. We're just not going to go. I don't fucking care what it is. <laughs> we're either flying or we're not going because I'm not going to drive longer than three hours because it's fucking hell. And I just would rather get there and spend the time being there rather than being in the car, right? So if it's further than three hours, we got to fly. If we're not flying, fuck it, we're not going. So anyway, that's my personal rule. I, I'm Anybody listening, feel free to steal that. Those are good rules to live by. <laughs> I stand by those. But uh, anyway, enough of my bullshit. What else, what else is in your banter, dude? What else you got going on? Uh, gosh, I don't really have a whole lot. I haven't. This has been one of those weeks where I haven't really done a whole lot of interesting stuff. Like, I mean, of course... Surprise, surprise, I was out of the skate park shooting skateboarders the other day, um, but that's not anything really worth talking about. Um, I did. I think the only other thing that I wanted to, like, spring on you, I guess, is um, I have a... So I know, like, whenever it comes to f- food talk, like, people have very strong opinions about food things, and this is, like, one of those really dumb internet things where, like, people... Like, people will die. They, they will choose their hills to die on based on like if people think that you should have pineapple on pizza or something like that and <laughs> yeah, yeah and yeah. i mean discussions like that always just make me roll my eyes really hard because like i i'm i i mean i know that <laughs> i've said some pretty rude things on the show before you know especially like two episodes ago whenever we we're talking about the last of us but i tend to be like a live and let live person like you know, if some because some people are like they will like get their like guns and knives out whenever it comes to talking about like pineapple on pizza, and I'm like, really, there's like better things we could be discussing. Like, who gives a fuck if somebody likes pineapple on pizza or if somebody doesn't like pineapple on pizza? But um, I wanted to because uh, I know that you and your family are a family of fine tastes. I know that you and your wife uh, cook a lot and that you make very delicious food. And this is true. Always, These are all true facts. True yeah, facts. Yeah, true facts. I always see food on your Twitter feed and it makes me jealous. But I wanted to spring an idea on you and hopefully you will not like send some kind of like electroshock through my computer and kill me whenever I... Uh, give you this idea but i did have that button installed just <laughs> fyi I, s- I sent it over to patrick he put it on your computer oh, no. when you weren't looking your seat is wired so just <laughs> tread carefully my friend all right well i so it has been getting a little bit cold in new orleans and by cold i mean like this is embarrassing for me to say this but i mean like 50 degrees so oh, wait, 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 pause, pause, pause. Totally right in line with this. I was talking to my in-laws. I live in fucking Palm Springs. I saw that they had a fire in their fireplace in the background because we were on Skype. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you guys have a fire. That's weird. It's not even cold. Enough. How how cold is it down there, you guys? Guess how fucking cold it was that they started a fire in their fucking fireplace. Guess how cold it was. Was it like 60 degrees? It was 70 fucking six degrees, dude. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's chilly. And I'm like, what? <laughs> F- fuck you both. That I would be sweating. I would be in shorts. They had a literal fire going. They had blankets. I was like, if you pull out a muck- mug of hot fucking cocoa, this call is over. Anyway, sorry, derail. So go ahead. 
So, I mean, one thing that Patrick and I like to cook, or I should just say Patrick because I don't ever cook it. He does it. Um, he likes to make chili. I mean, chili is like a good, like, cold weather food. Totally, totally. Well, whenever I lived in Omaha, we discovered, and I maybe you've heard of this, maybe you haven't. Uh, maybe some listeners have heard of this, maybe they haven't. But I just want to throw the idea out there because I support this idea, but a lot of people think it's really disgusting. So... Apparently, there is a Nebraskan tradition, and I don't know if this is, like, true Nebraskan tradition or if it's just, like, something that somebody told Patrick and, like, that was it. But there is a alleged tradition in Nebraska where when you make chili, you put cinnamon rolls in your chili. <laughs> what? I've never heard of a cinnamon roll. An entire cooked cinnamon roll? Yes, and I know it sounds weird. It sounds some like disgusting because you know when you think of chili, you think of putting like crackers in it or cheese in it sure, or something like sure, that. Sure. Well, I challenge you, and I challenge anybody who wants to throw up right now because they're thinking about this. Next time you make chili, if you're a chili eater, buy some like you don't even it doesn't have to be fancy cinnamon rolls. Just like you know a tube of cinnamon rolls at the store. Bake them and ice them. Do do the whole shebang like you're getting ready to sit down for breakfast with cinnamon rolls. Put a cinnamon roll in the bottom of a deep bowl and then pour your chili over it so it kind of like saturates the cinnamon roll. And then when you put your spoon in the chili, you kind of like tear off a piece of the cinnamon roll with the chili and then eat it, and you get the... I mean, if you like chili spicy like I do, you get like the heat and the spice from the chili... And then you have this amazing, like, fluffy sweetness that's underneath it. And I know it sounds weird, but I would recommend anyone give this a try because it was kind of life-changing for me. I enjoy this chili method now. So this doesn't sound that odd to me, actually. I've never heard of it before, but as... I mean, I admit I was a little bit taken aback at first. But, like, <laughs> the more that I thought about it, I'm like, oh, you know, that actually doesn't... That, that isn't too crazy. I mean, this seems like it's kind of one of those chicken and waffle kind of things. Uh, but, you know, if you look at chili, uh, you know, often you can put if you're a person who cooks, you know that you can put sugar in anything to make it taste better. And it doesn't necessarily make it sweet. So, like, I, I, you know, you can often put in maple syrup into things. You can often put in brown sugar. You can put in white sugar. You can put in caro syrup. You can put in many different things to change the taste of a dish. And it's not going to make it dessert, but it'll make it taste better. Also, cinnamon and chili is a well-established thing. I've had several chilies over the years that have cinnamon in it. So... You can often put um, spices that you might not expect in a chili, and that will not make it, again, it will not make it super sweet or weird. It just kind of alters the taste of the overall chili. So, you know, and like you said, crackers or uh, whatever, you know, cheese or different toppings. People put a variety of toppings in a chili. That, no, that, you know, actually, I mean, unexpected, unconventional, but like thinking about it, like thinking it through and comparing it to other things that I've made before. I mean, I've made I've made cinnamon salmon. I've made vanilla beef. I've made, um, you know, different things that have um, different sweet elements to them. But it doesn't necessarily turn the dish sweet. Uh, you know, maybe like a balance, or you get these unexpected notes or something. No, that that actually that actually makes sense in my head. Like the more I think about it, so I would um, I may have a difficult time getting the wife and son to try this <laughs> my wife probably would probably try it uh, my my son probably would not try it but i yeah the next time we're doing this i'll throw this out to gina and i bet that we could probably give it a shot i will report back on this this is this is intriguing me now 
please do. And feel free to take your finger off the kill switch on your keyboard at this point. You, and... you will live another day, Corey Motley. <laughs> you live another day. Um, uh, the only other things that I wanted to throw out in terms of this section... Uh, nothing really, because I haven't been doing jack fucking shit because I've been working so much. Um, I have not gotten to play nearly as much games as I wanted to. I don't have any shows to watch. I was actually planning to, um, get through the first season of Veronica Mars, because we were really enjoying that. Interestingly, I don't think it's as good as people were saying that it was. We got through probably two-thirds of the first season. And really, I mean, I really like it. It's not a bad show. I'm, we're gonna, we're gonna probably watch the entire thing, so that, you know... It's got to be of a certain quality for me to, to vote that much time to it. But I don't think it was quite as strong as people said it was. I mean, I think probably at the time it was probably innovative in that, you know, female lead character. She was really strong and independent, um, doing things that you didn't see a lot of female characters doing at that time, even though it's not super old. But I mean, at the time, I still think it would have stood out in terms of the writing and stuff. I can see why people would like it. But it seems like a really rough and unpolished version of where that showrunner was eventually going to get to. Um, and he leaves, I noticed, uh, he leaves a lot of plot lines dangling and not in a, oh, we're going to come back to this in three episodes way, just in a whole, like, we're just not going to finish this way and we're going to move on. Um, so that was really kind of weird. Um, but it's a good show. I, I was going to report back on it. Didn't have time to watch a single episode in like the last two weeks. Uh, <laughs> the Punisher came out on Netflix and I was super excited for the Punisher. You did not, you don't watch the, the Netflix Marvel shows, do you? I watched about half of Daredevil season one, and I've seen like maybe like three episodes of Jessica Jones, just kind of like while Patrick was watching it and I was in the room. And that is it. I am kind of excited about The Punisher, but I also know deep down in my heart that I will never sit down and watch it. So there's that. Well, people are saying it is like it is like top shelf shit. They're saying it's actually really, really good. And I've heard a lot of people that I trust say this is the best this is the best thing they've done since, like, Daredevil Season 1. And I thought Daredevil Season 1 was really good. Uh, and I thought Jessica Jones was actually really good. You should go back to that one. That one is actually a really good show. But um, when The Punisher originally showed up in Daredevil Season 2, he was, like, by far the best thing about Daredevil Season 2. Um, John Bernthal, who originally, I mean, as, as far as I know, is from The Walking Dead. I mean, he may have been in other things before that, but that's where I know him from. He played... Uh, Shane on The Walking Dead for the first couple seasons. He is a great actor. He is a really, really strong actor. And he was amazing as the Punisher in Daredevil Season 2. His fucking scenes were were, were fucking just awesome. I mean, there's this one part <laughs> where not only is he intense and you really get a feel for who he is as a character and as a human being, but when he got to, like, the fight scenes, there's this one uh, really... Uh, I don't know if it's a famous fight scene, but for me it was a real standout where um, the kingpin traps the Punisher inside a prison and then he lets all the prisoners go to kill him. And he fucking fights his way through, like, this entire prison block. Oh, my God, dude. Like, it was it was just... I, I don't even have words to describe how, how brutal and awesome it was. Like, if you're not going to watch those shows, just track down that one episode. It's like, it's, it's one of the episodes in Daredevil Season 2. It's like a, it's like a three-minute long um, sequence. But, like, watching that sequence is like, holy shit. It was just, like super powerful like it was amazing so i'm really really excited to watch it people have been saying it's really good and i don't have time i don't have any time at all to watch it i i would have to watch something like this when my son was asleep when my son is asleep my wife is asleep when uh uh when i'm awake i can't watch it without my wife because we watch these things together i don't want to watch it without her so it's like with me being on this new schedule we were in sync when i was getting up at four o'clock in the morning 
because we would both get up early and then we would watch shows in the morning. I mean, that's how we watched the entire uh, run of Miss Fisher. We would watch it like on the weekends before my son got up. But now that I'm staying up really, really late, my wife cannot stay up that late. So now we're kind of like on opposite schedules almost. So really fucking up the TV viewing and really fucking up the quality time. I mean, and let me just tell you, not to get too into details, it's really tough to schedule some romance time when you guys are sleeping like on opposite ends of the clock. It is a challenge, <laughs> let me just say. So I, I wish I could talk about these shows. I wish I could talk about all the sex I've been having. I wish I could talk about all the games I've been playing, <laughs> but it's really, I got nothing to say, man. I just been working, 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 working the entire time. So I'm very thankful to have a good job in this economy. Thankful to be able to provide a living for my family, but uh, it doesn't leave a lot of time for uh, other stuff. But w- just for now, it's we're going to find a new normal. We're going to find a new pattern, and we will settle down. I mean, I've only been doing this new gig for like two weeks, so that's still pretty early. Give it another two weeks, another month, and we'll uh, I will be in a groove. And I'm sure that by the time I get into a groove, contract will be over, and I'll have to go back to another schedule. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Anyway, that's what I had, man. Anything else uh, before we get this uh, shit show on the, ro- on the, on the road? Uh, I don't think so. Do you think we should talk about some games? Corey, I think we should talk about some games.